I was recently listening to a podcast done by Nick Walenda. He's the son of one of the greatest tightrope walkers in history, um, Carl Walenda. It was interesting because Nick has done the longest walk, not only across Times Square, where we're at today, that he walked across literally tens of thousands of people, but he walked across Niagara Falls. In fact, when I was listening to Nick Walenda, he said, in order to practice to go across the Niagara Falls, he literally, for months, would have airboats blowing 90-mile-an-hour winds on him and fire hoses trying to knock him off a rope, uh, the tightrope, to, to, to practice making that walk across the Niagara Falls. But the story of his father is what intrigued me. Because Carl Walenda, the considered one of the great tightrope walkers of all time, fell to his death in 1978, just 75 feet high from downtown San Juan, Puerto Rico. Listen to what his wife said of the reason why her husband fell to his death in Puerto Rico. This is what these are her words. She said, All Carl thought about for three months prior to the walk was falling. It was the first time he had ever thought about that. And it seemed to me that he put all of his energy, listen to these words, into not falling rather than walking the tightrope. And she said he was virtually destined to fall. Those words are powerful. Think about that. He put all of his energy into not falling instead of walking. I believe as Christians, we are commanded to walk. We as New Testament Christians are not commanded to not fall, but to keep walking. Those believers who pursue not falling many times end up like Carl Walenda. Those who think about falling and failure never really walk. And today, with God's help, I want you to find your walk today. I want you to learn how to win by that walk. Do you know, when Cindy and I and my family lived in Queens, I used to have to take an hour and 15-minute train ride commute in on the F train. I'll never forget the morning that a walk literally caught my attention. We were on our way, just dropped the kids off at school at 7.30 in the morning, got over to Queens Boulevard at 8 a.m. and was about to catch my train. And as Cindy was dropping me off at the train station, I saw the oddest thing I've ever seen. I saw a man literally had a little skip in his step. He was whistling and smiling as he's walking down Queens Boulevard during rush hour. The the, the most stressful time of, of a New Yorker going to the subway, whistling with a little skip in his step. I'm ashamed of this, but I have to tell you, as soon as I saw him, before God, this is what I thought. This man is mentally challenged because nobody could look like this that early in the morning and whistling, walking happy. Surely he has some hurdles that he has to get over. And then I was convicted by the Holy Spirit and realized this. He wasn't the one that was challenged. He wasn't the one that had hurdles. I was the one that had the hurdles. I thought to myself, I've got God in me. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. Why can't I walk like that? Why, why do I have to go on my commute with this somber face? And I want to believe today God is going to change our walk today. 
even during a pandemic, Pastor Tim, even during one of the craziest political seasons and one of the most um, times of unrest in our major cities across America, I believe we needed even more so during this time for God to change our walk. That seems impossible. That's why I love the words of St. Teresa of Avila. She says this, I know the power obedience has of making things easy, which seem impossible. Today, what seems impossible, I believe God is gonna help us all to make it easy if we just take the first step. The Apostle Paul gives us, I believe, fighting words. And this is important because Paul's walking words are really fighting words. He was basically telling us, if you can walk, then you're fighting in your Christian life. And this is so important. Listen to these words that the Apostle Paul gives to us. This is so powerful. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Wow, those are powerful words. See, the opening words of this verse in Galatians 5.16 start with that conjunction, but it's a response. Galatians 5.16 is a response to a having this this is, is real critical for us to understand. It's a response word to how to have healthy relationships and not hurting people. That's literally what it's connected to. It's, it's really showing us one of the battles that we will all face. In essence, what he was saying was, you're, it's, a, it's a fighting word to stop the fights that are going on in relationships. Here's the verse before 516. This is what the Apostle Paul says. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, Paul says you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. In fact, one version says it like this. It says, and then after that, it says, but I say, this is in response to criticizing and come against each other over minor issues, but I say to those that are having the relational issues, that are criticizing and hurting over minor issues. But I say, the Apostle Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Get a new walk inside of you and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Paul was giving us a current issue that was happening in the church that really needed to be fixed and giving us the answer. It was was really like a lab test. He was saying there's criticism over petty issues in the church And the Apostle Paul was saying, I need this to get fixed and here's how it comes. He doesn't just say stop, but he says, I wanna show you how to get it done. Paul was basically saying this, do you want to not fall into criticism and hurting one another? That's what Paul was saying. Do you wanna stop sabotage? This is all verse 15, sabotaging relationships. And Paul says, verse 16, the answer is walking. You know what's interesting to me? And I want Christians to listen to this today. What's interesting, he didn't say bind the devil. He didn't say be be free from a critical spirit. He didn't say go to counseling. He didn't even just say stop it. Paul said, you can win if you walk. If you walk in the spirit, you can fix your relational hurdles that you have even with the people you work with. This is so important when he talks about walking in the spirit. What, what what does that mean? It's it, If we're not careful, it could be something that we keep saying, but never know what it means. I was reading the story of a father and a son who arrived in a small Midwestern city. The father 
has lost contact with his brother from birth when his parents got divorced and has not seen him since they were just children in this Midwestern town. And they've been separated for so long. And then suddenly as the son and the father came to the town to look for his brother, who he hasn't seen for decades, he started pointing across the square to a man who was walking away from them. And the father looked at the son and said, that's my brother. His son looked at his dad and said, how do you know you've never seen him for literally 30 years? And the father responded like this, son, I know him because he walks exactly like my father. That's it. Think about that. If we walk in the spirit, people will know who you look like because we then start walking, here it is, like our father. The apostle Paul said walking is a weapon. It's how you and I fight and it's how we win. It's a weapon, it's how we fight, but it really is how we win. See, listen to that second part of the verse. When you walk by the spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. That's that's powerful. In fact, I want you to see the way the Living Bible paraphrases this verse. Here's verse 16 in the Living Bible. I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. He will tell you where to go, what to do, and then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to do. That's That literally compacts it into a real powerful statement. We have to ask ourselves the question, what is the desires of the flesh. See, these are these could end up being just religious vo- vocab words that sometimes we forget what the meaning is. What's the desire of the flesh? You ready for this? It's our old sinful nature that is always showing up. Listen, saying, choose me, choose that reaction, that emotion to react to this situation. Let me say that again. What is the desire of the flesh? It's our old sinful nature that is always showing up saying, choose me to react to this situation. Or I could say it like this, the desires of the flesh is our internal default program that always wants to be the first responder to tough moments. That's really what the desire of the flesh is. See, Jesus always responded correctly. He always chose the right response. Why? You ready? He looked just like his father. Remember what he said? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In fact, we are told scripturally there is a whole list of those fleshly desires in verses 19 through 21, that a whole list that says, choose me to react. It's these are the these are the internal default program that says when you're faced with a tough moment, when you're faced with a tough person, when you're faced with a tough season, a pandemic, or when you feel unjust that something unjust has happened, Galatians 5, 19 through 21 is going to say, choose me to respond to this. This this is so important for us as believers in this time and season because these things are always going to rise up in us, even as the church to say, choose this, choose me to respond to this. Let me read to you Galatians 5, 19 through 21 of what's asking to be the first responder, the fleshly responder to this. This is what the apostle Paul says. The cravings of the self-life the desires of the flesh are obvious. He says it's their sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, 
resentment when others are favored, temper tantrum, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. Wow. Being envious of the blessing of others. There's murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. This, this list is, is almost, um, when, when I look at it, is, is imposing and almost seems, wow, those things can be living inside of my heart. Try to fight each one of them, and it would take any one of us a lifetime, and winning almost seems impossible. That's why the Apostle Paul says, here's how you fight it. If you walk by the Spirit, that crazy list of 19 through 21, he says, you won't have to fulfill those desires of the flesh. This is so important. Paul did not say they won't come and attack you. Here, this is an important point for us to listen to. Paul reminds us of something. People think that once you become a Christian, that those evil thoughts, those desires that the Apostle Paul talks about, um, aren't there anymore. And Paul says that's just simply not true. He's speaking to Christians. He says, you will get the desire, but you don't have to fulfill the desire, the default program that actually comes. Let me say it to you this way. You will get crazy thoughts, but you don't have to do what the crazy thought says. Wow. This, this is liberating for us. He says, you're going to get crazy things that are going to try to fill your mind. Things from your past that are going to try to come. And he says, when that begins to happen, you have the power of the Spirit that though it comes, you don't have to fulfill it. He didn't say they won't come. He just says you don't have to carry out what comes to you. Let me tell you where people mess up sometimes, those who are Christians, whether you're brand new, maybe you over the over these months have been watching online. Someone may have told you to tune in to Times Square Church and to listen. Maybe you responded and said, I want to be born again and texted and decided. And maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years and you're going, Wow, I've been a Christian for 30 years and I still have these thoughts. And maybe the new Christian is going, man, I thought when I became a Christian, I shouldn't have these thoughts. Let me tell you where people sometimes can have a problem and sometimes mess up on this. Two places that I think it's important. Sometimes people think, and this is, this is, this is wrong thinking. We think if you're thinking about bad stuff, then therefore you're not a Christian. That's not true. And then we think if you choose the wrong response from that Galatians crazy list, from the Galatian list, then you're not a Christian. Both of these are not true. But the Apostle Paul says, I'm trying to teach you how to walk and not let this be your reactions to tough moments. What helps me to walk, it's, it's what helps me to walk even though I may stumble. I love what here in our community what Pastor Tim Keller says from Redeemer Presbyterian Church, Tim Keller says it like this, this is the gospel. You're more sinful than you ever dared to believe, but you're more loved than you've ever dared to hope. Man, thank you, Tim Keller. A Christian, I want you to get this, a Christian can commit any sin a non-Christian can commit, but he can't commit it without a fight. Wow, this is, this is important for us to get. A Christian can commit the sin even a non-Christian commits, but they don't commit it the same way because they don't commit it without a fight that's inside of them. Because when you walk in the Spirit, God is helping you to keep moving forward, and the Holy Spirit helps us to make that walk.
I, I, I want to give you an Old Testament scripture that sometimes we think of in reverse order, and I want to set it. I want to set the record straight on a verse that I that I've memorized even growing up in the church. That sometimes we forget what the order of the words are. Listen to the reality of this verse. It's Isaiah forty thirty one. He who trusts in the Lord. Everyone who made a decided decision, everyone who's been born again, you have trusted in the Lord, will find new strength. Okay, here it comes. Watch the progression. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Wow, those that progression is pretty amazing. But see, we think the Christian life is a runway for getting ready to fly to heaven when in actually... In actuality, it's a Christian life to get you to land and walk on earth the correct way like Jesus. Did you notice it didn't start with walking and then running and then flying? Because that's what we think. We think we're walking and then all of a sudden we're running as a Christian because we've been saved for some years. And now we're flying because we've been born again for three decades. That's not what it says. It says when you become, when you trust in the Lord, you're flying. And then all of a sudden, There may come some failures. There may come some wrong responses. A desire of the flesh got fulfilled. And now you're running going like, okay, I may not be flying, but I'm running. And then all of a sudden, another failure comes. You fall off the tightrope. And all of a sudden, you're walking. And God goes, exactly, that's the place I want you to do. Because the Christian life is a walk. It's not a fly. It's not a run. It's a walk. And that's how we win. Apologist and author Oz Guinness says it this way. This is powerful. Walking on the water is easy, but walking on dry land is what a disciple does and is a very different thing. Remember, Peter walked on water to Jesus, but betrayed him on dry land. God was trying to teach Peter how to walk on dry land. That's what I want to begin to do. I want to learn to walk in New York City. I want to walk in the spirit, even in New York City. This is so important. What does it mean? for us to walk in the spirit. What what do those words actually mean? See, walking in the spirit is literally just taking the first step in doing the right thing. Let me say that again. Walking in the spirit is simply taking the first step in doing the right thing. Well, Pastor Tim, how do I know what that first step is? See, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you and he'll speak to you how to respond those situations. And it will be, it will not be your normal self on how do you respond to it. Explain, Pastor Tim. Okay, here we go. Let, let me give you a scenario that happens to every one of us that are in marriage. You're in a heated discussion with your spouse over the miscommunication of who is supposed to pick up your daughter from either school or daycare. And all of a sudden, the conversation starts you never told me. Then the, the response is, I did tell you during breakfast that I was going to have a late meeting. You never said anything, the wife says. And then all of a sudden, it happens. You remember she did tell you. And Some of you are going, hey, Pastor Tim, why is it always the guy at fault? Because it usually is. That's why. So all of a sudden, you start to realize, wait a second, she did tell me. Okay, now get ready for this. Now... You are fighting the battle you have fought before. Do I, here it is. Here's the battle that's happening. Do I come clean or do I cover it up and continue to argue? That was the Galatians 5.15 problem. 
They're they're fighting over 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 petty issues. They're fighting over minor issues, criticizing and hurting. And Paul says, "Wait, stop. Walk in the spirit, so you won't you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh." Now you're faced with the moment. Am I gonna am I gonna fight? Am I gonna stay in fifteen? Or will I cross over into 16 and walk in the spirit on this? So I have two options. Here's the battle inside of me. This is the civil war. Come clean or do I cover this? That's my two options. Do I hold my ground even though inside I know what the truth is? Or do I apologize and confess to my spouse and say, I'm sorry, honey. I do remember that you said that. It's my fault. See, if you were to choose option number two and apologize and go, wait a second, you did tell me. I just want to apologize. I shouldn't have fought. That was absolutely right. I was supposed to pick her up. I was supposed to go to the daycare. I was supposed to do that at the school. I didn't tell you that this morning. I am so sorry. It was my fault. What did you just do? You ready for this? You just walked in the spirit. You chose God's response over the flesh response. You chose come clean over cover. When you apologize, you just took a step. Here it is. You just walked like what your father looks like, the humility. I had to pick up a prescription for my wife at a local drugstore, um, CVS, and it was, a, it was a few months ago, and no one was in line at the drive-thru, and so I pulled up uh, there, and I'm, I'm waiting, and I, I was the first one there as I drove up, and the, the workers that behind in the pharmacy could see me, and I was, I started to get a little impatient. I, I was, I was starting to lean on the Galatians five nineteen through twenty one stuff, the impatience, and I felt a little civil war going on. Um, it wasn't this giant battle, and so I started to get this attitude started, and, and I realized I'm going, Tim. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. That's that's later on in, in that same chapter, the fruit of the spirit, and, I'm, and it was just that fight that was going on, and I and I was excited. I won. I was just I felt like, hey, I just won this fight. Um, that I'm going to walk in the spirit. Maybe they're busy and the spirit uh, wants to work something in me and just put, put patience. While I'm waiting there for them to respond, it's been about five or six minutes I'm waiting there. The guy behind me lays on his horn and all of a sudden the CVS, CVS staff look at me like I just crossed over into the desires of the flesh. And folks, I don't know what happened. I've been immediately, it's him. He's beeping his horn. And all of a sudden, I'm going, I just chose the right thing. And now someone's beeping the horn. The, the kind CVS worker comes up and says these words to me. When all of a sudden gets on the microphone, she gets on there. And she goes, hi, Pastor Tim, how can I help you? And I thought, oh, my goodness. I said, I didn't beep that horn. She says, I know you would never do that. Oh, my goodness. She didn't know what was going on in my heart. Thank God I walked in the spirit. The car behind me was in the flesh and it was so easy for me to do that. But thank God that I just chose what God wanted me to do, how God wanted me to react. Listen, every time you choose to apologize, you walk in the spirit. Every time you choose to come online on a Sunday when you wanna sleep in and say, I need to hear the word of God, you're walking in the spirit. Every time you choose your family over yourself, you're walking in the spirit. Every time you spend time in God's word, you're walking in the spirit. Every time you choose to be kind, to be generous, you're walking in the spirit. When you choose to tithe, when you choose to, to become part of what God is doing around the world through child cry and the missions and things that we're doing over here, you're walking in the spirit. When you choose to say thank you to a rude and, and, a, and, a, and an ungrateful culture 
in a, in a retail store, you are walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is not letting the situation dictate how I respond, but letting the Holy Spirit dictate how I respond. That's really what walking in the spirit is. Can, can I tell you what walking in the spirit is? Is when you choose community. It's when you say, I want to be part of those connect groups that, T, that TSC is talking about. I want to encourage you even today, walk in the spirit. Go to go to tsc.nyc forward slash groups to join a connect group. Because when you choose community over, over solitude, when you, when you choose to be with people, what you're doing is you're walking in the spirit. Each step you take in your walk, you're creating godly habits. You're creating a desire to do it again and you're moving forward in growth. Let me say those three things because this is what happens. Every time you take a step, you take you take a step in your walk. Each step you take, three things happen. You're creating godly habits. You're creating a desire inside to do it again. And that's what's happening is you're moving forward. Maybe not, maybe not as, as far as you want, but you're moving forward in your growth. The story's told of a little boy who was flying a kite. It was not only a windy day, it was a cloudy day. And the higher and higher it went up, the cloud was out, the, the kite became out of sight and it looked like the boy was holding a string um, going straight into the, into the low clouds. A man passed by and saw the little boy holding on to the string and the man couldn't see the kite and knew it was up there, but he asked the boy, he says, how do you even know you have a kite up there? And the boy said this, because I can feel it tug once in a while. Listen, the tug is what you feel from the Holy Spirit. There may be a tug on you right now that can be even life-changing. You may not see it, but you know something is tugging away. See, walking is your weapon. Walking is how you win. Walking is how you create godly desires. It's how you create godly habits and even godly growth. The best story I know about winning with walking is the children of Israel. Think about this. When they left Egypt after 400 years of slavery, they came to the Red Sea. The Egyptians decided we want them back. They wanted the old relationship with them, just like our desires of the flesh want us back. So they hunted them down, the children of Israel. The children of Israel had the Egyptians behind them, but then all of a sudden they come up to the Red Sea in front of them. So what does God tell them to do? He didn't say fight the Egyptians. He didn't say fight your past. He didn't say fight your old enemy. You ready for this? God said, walk. Walk in uncharted territory like you've never walked before. He didn't say get a sword in your hand and start beating up the Egyptians. He says, all you have to do is walk. I'll split the Red Sea. God split the sea in half. The children of Israel walked through on dry ground. And here it is. When they got to the other side, the Egyptians tried to follow them and the water closed in on them. Listen, they beat the Egyptians by just walking forward. They beat their past. They won, ready for this? They won by walking further than their past. Every time your past tries to overtake you, just keep walking. You'll outdistance yourself with the help of the Holy Spirit from your past. Your past will try to come after you, but you can outwalk it with the help of the Holy Spirit every time that you walk in the Spirit. Can I, can I give you the, the biggest challenge I can give you? It's going to be a step for many of you here. I want to challenge you to take a step today. One simple step that will not just change your today, but it will change your tomorrow. It's by 
asking you the most important question to take a step on this. Because some of you are going, I, I, I want to get to church. I want to, and, and here's, but, but that's not what I'm going to ask you. I want to ask you this. Have you been born again? There's a step I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you with. Because some of you are going like, Pastor Tim, I, I'm, I, I've, I've gone to church. I've been baptized. Those are good steps, but that's not the step. Because really the question is this. The question is, not only have you been born again, but the question is, these two go together. How do you get to heaven? And some will say, well, I had communion or I'm a good person. Those are all good things. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, verse 3 and 5, that no man can see the kingdom of heaven. No woman can see the kingdom of heaven unless they've been born again. Those are Jesus's words. That's not a TSC phrase. Born again is not a Protestant or a Catholic phrase. It's not a religious phrase. It's a Jesus phrase. What Jesus was actually saying was this, just as you had a first birth, you need a second birth. Just as you were, some of, many of you were born in a hospital, you need a second birth for something to be born internally, a spiritual birth. Pastor Tim, how does that happen? Here's, I can only, I can make it as simple as this. It's as simple as, as we would tell kindergarten and first graders, the ABCs. Those, those three letters correspond to something really important. A, it's admitting that I'm a sinner. This is the step. This is the step towards being born again, admitting I'm a sinner. I get honest with God that all of us have a condition called sin. And it can't be fixed by a promise, a, a program, a priest, a pastor. We, or it can't even be fixed personally. We need help to fix this. I'm broken inside. The diagnosis is sin, and I admit that I'm a sinner. One pastor said it like this, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. We need more than a second chance. We need a second birth. Then how does that happen? That's the B word, believe. Believe that God sent his son to fix our sinful condition because I can't fix myself. If we could fix ourselves, then God putting his son through the suffering he went through is the ultimate case of child abuse. But it wasn't him dying on the cross and then telling us, do your best to get to heaven. If I could get myself to heaven by being good, then Jesus would never have to come and suffer the way that he did. But Jesus' death was Jesus bearing my sin, doing something for me, taking the responsibility of the penalty of my sin. He died the death I should have died and lived the life I couldn't live and gave me a reward, heaven and forgiveness of sins that I didn't deserve. And finally, and this is bigger than it sounds, it's the C word, confessing him as Lord. That's a big phrase. Do you actually think God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to get you to sit in a seat for an hour on Sunday? Mm-mm. There are, you can't sit in the seats on Sunday because we can't even get into the building because of a pandemic. His goal wasn't simply to get you to church. His goal was to get you to heaven, that he would be with you forever. Coming to church on Sunday to get people in church on Sunday, that's a religion. Being born again is a relationship. See, because Christianity is not coming to a place, it's coming to a person. And that person is now in charge. It's confessing him as Lord, which actually means boss. You're in charge of my life now. You're saying, I choose to react and to walk like you and not what my past and internal desires of the flesh want to do. That's what lordship does. I want to do what God wants me to do every day, not just what God wants me to do for an hour on Sundays. Today, 
I wanna challenge you to take a step that will change not only your today, but your forever. It's a step that will change everything. Maybe it's your whole household. I wanna invite you to be born again, to take a step that is life-changing. Pastor Tim, what, what, what do I have to do? I wanna pray a born-again prayer with you. These aren't magic words. These are just words that takes those ABCs and says, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you became my sin bearer and I confess you as being in charge of my life. Wherever you're at, if you say, Pastor Tim, I wanna pray that prayer. I wanna take that next step, the most important step you can ever take in your entire life. If that's you today and you're saying, Pastor Tim, if you pray that prayer, I wanna pray that with you. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're in a car, in your home, in a park, you could be on a subway or a bus, or you could be at a gym on a, on a treadmill. I want you to say these words with me. I want this prayer to come from your heart and say this with me out loud. When we say amen, and I'm gonna also challenge you this, the first step is I wanna be born again. The second step is gonna be what are my next steps? As soon as we say amen, Pastor David is gonna come and say what our next steps are, so get ready. They're not to click off, but to say, I wanna keep taking a step. Because as I keep taking a step, walk in the spirit, I begin to create godly habits. I begin to enhance godly desires. And I begin to make godly progress where God wants me to go. And today is that first step. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.